Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources. Chris, how are you doing? Doing well. We are finally getting some rain out here, so I am a happy camper. Well, that's good. Hopefully it's not too late for you. No, I mean, as it's perfect. I mean, last year the rain came and it was a little late. It was about two weeks too late. Now we are about golden and I just took a picture. We're sitting at about an inch and a half in the rain gauge, and it's been coming down nice and soft for two days, and it's supposed to continue all night. Oh man, I I'm I'm happy. <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't have asked for anything better, and and uh, no, it's perfect, perfect timing. Well, that's that's fantastic. Um, I was all all rain geared up to. Um, have the big bet with you that we had on the last <laughs> podcast and I, I if i would have sealed the if i would have done my part i probably would have had a bird that you well, uh, you uh would have had a hard time beating but i basically well, hold, just... hold on hold on go back because I, I we were a little remiss because we ended that podcast before we included it didn't we <laughs> or did you include it at the end no, I, I, I actually... I, we didn't record it. Well, I don't think we recorded it. So tell, well, the, tell you, them what I said. Well, you you probably didn't listen to the episode. I actually took that conversation that we had oh, afterwards, okay. right. and right. I put okay. it at the beginning. Okay. And so all people right. all day have been going, so what happened with you and Chris Rowe over the weekend? Who got the biggest bird? I'm like, well, all he has to do is go kill a turkey... Oh. And he wins the bet, and they're like, "No," and I'm like, "Yep." Well, and, so, and we just and we just talked about my crisis of conscience right now, because, uh, you know, a lot of people, well, some of the listeners know that I run turkey hunts out here in Kansas, and so uh, I've really limited the number of, of hunters that are going to come out here this year for a variety of reasons, but I've got. I've got a couple, and it doesn't matter. Long story short, I went and scouted one of the properties, and lit, out of all my years of hunting, whether it's hunting for myself or guiding, I'm, I'm. This is legit. I saw we have one the largest turkey I have ever laid eyes on. This thing is a tank, <laughs> and so I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, I've got. I've got two kids and a single, uh, two kids and a dad, and then a single hunter before I can even think about hunting for myself. I'm like, oh, do I, do I take the clients out there? Are we trying to shoot him in the face with a shotgun and get a kid to it? Or do I, do I selfishly hold on to this one and just, just, just grind you into the dust on this? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish so I roll out to Texas with my buddy Travis, and Travis came and hunted uh, bighorn sheep in Unit 15D this last season. He drew a tag and wanted to bow hunt. He's a big bow hunter, and um, he's going to Arctic Red River in the Northwest Territories uh, Territories this summer. He's hunting uh, doll sheep and moose and caribou with his bow. And um, anyway, he, he invites me to come out to his place in Texas. And he leaves one little caveat. He says, you, you, he says, I want you to come out and turkey hunt with me in Texas. I don't really know what I'm doing. I want you to tell me what decoys to get. and But you have to bring your bow. 
I'm like, that's like taking a knife to a gunfight. He's like, nope, nope. You got to bring your bow. You can't bring Good a shotgun. You got to bring your bow. And I'm Good for him. Good you know, for him. I'm, I'm like, you know, if anybody knows me, they're like, I'm so against archery and turkeys and <laughs> just and 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 before that i really only tried i've tried for one turkey with my bow and i was successful i killed a Merriam's turkey with my bow one shot one kill you know like you know there's nothing to this but i've guided obviously gould's turkeys and been around a lot of hunts and seen some really good shots with a bow and watched those turkeys just you know boom, you shoot them right through the, you know, right and just feathers everywhere. And, you know, the turkeys run off and you never recover them. So anyway, you know, the long and the short of it is I, I probably should have went with long arrows. I probably should have went with the Magnus bullhead or the, you know, the guillotine because I, I always tell archery hunters that come and hunt with me that you know a head a, a, a waddle neck and head shot is best on a turkey with a bow because if you clip any part of that you've got a dead bird and i've seen so many birds get hit through the middle if you will and fly off and never recover because once you know they fly off and take flight you know go over a ridge top or you know whatever they're very hard to find yeah, and yeah. you know they don't bleed a lot when you hit them, when you hit them good, you know, it's, it's a done deal. But, you know, when you don't hit them good, like most things, when you don't hit them good, you know, there's, there's hardly any blood and you almost never find them. And so anyway, I, I was shooting, decided to shoot the, um, uh, uh, grave digger expandables, which I don't think that was my problem at all. I think my problem was shot placement and but backing up so travis invites me out and so um we did the turkey seminar dar and i did the turkey seminar on march 21st which was a tuesday and i flew out on a wednesday to go to texas and i was fortunate i was going to hunt with travis and then i was going to hunt with my friend reagan whose boss owns a property there uh in texas as well so you know it was going to be a, a great time which it was um so I fly out there, meet Travis, and Travis's family, it's a pretty cool story, Travis's family actually owns uh, Natural Bridge Caverns just outside of San Antonio, and it's the largest cave in Texas. Really? And back in, I think, 1955, four students from St. Mary's College knocked on his grandmother's um, door at a ranch house and she was actually her husband had passed away and so she was uh, uh his grandmother was was a single lady at this time and uh and i may be getting some of the story but anyway uh she says sure you can explore the cave they they knew they had somewhat of a cave there well the, these um four college students go and explore this this kind of smaller room of a cave and they find a whole nother like pathway and they kind of dig it out and anyway they 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 find this this unbelievable underground you know cave or cavern and it turns out it's the largest underground uh, cave in texas and um it's a big tourist attraction it's right outside of san antonio and so I got to tour the cave. Travis took me there, and he's been working there since he was a little boy as a, 
you know, working on the grounds, working as a tour guide, and just an unbelievable cave. It's um, two miles long. There's several caves, but one of them is two miles long, and it goes a couple hundred feet underground, and just a really, really neat uh, setup. So we go out that first night, and he's like, you know, I got birds on my property um, kind of all over, and we go out and have a great encounter with a couple of young um, kind of Jake birds, but you know, with like four or five inch beards, um, but, but strutting Jake's, which I haven't seen many strutting Jake's, you know, Merriam's typically the Jake's aren't near as aggressive as I saw some of these Rios, but, and then we roosted a pile of birds that night and, um, we made the plan that we were going to get in there really early the next morning, take the um, he had a Zenic blind, blind. We took the Zenic blind in there, got up, you know, set up really early. And there's kind of this big valley, green grass valley, and then you know, kind of a, a real steep, thick, uh, kind of north-facing ridge. And the birds were all roosted there. Well, when I looked at the setup, I thought it was perfect to set up on the side of the hill that the turkeys were roosted on because it's basically they could pitch right out into the field. And I was a little bit worried about them flying way out into the center. Um, but as it turned out, as, op as, as it started getting light, they were gobbling all around us. And I've been putting some of the video on my Instagram. Anyway, they fly out four toms one tom hits right out in the field and then like four toms land and i start calling and the birds basically come into the de the dave smith decoys and um for probably 45 minutes we got just an incredible show at probably eight or eight and a half or nine yards away from the blind and you know all kinds of stuff you know even x-rated stuff going on with those birds jumping on mountain the decoys and just crazy stuff but Anyway, after the whole show, I decided, you know, he's like, you going to shoot one? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I almost hated to because it was such an unbelievable morning. And I draw back and just, I mean, choked. I sent you the, the video, Chris. I just, my, I don't know what it was, but I aimed too low, too low. I know it's hit them high, watch them die, hit them low, watch them go. And I shoot, and the birds kind of, you know, like you said, jibbing and jiving, kind of, you know, moving around. And there's no excuse. I mean, at that distance, I shot, and I shot low. Um, and all you see is feathers, just poof, like a, you know, like a, a dove gets shot, you know, with a with a 12 gauge, you know, and feathers everywhere. And he runs out about 10 yards and starts gobbling. And then we start to laughing and, you know, the bird was in full strut. And I, I mean, I know where to shoot the bird, shoot them, you know, above the beard, below the waddle when they're, when they're head on strutting is kind of what I think, but it goes back to where I should have been shooting a Magnus bullhead or a guillotine. In my opinion, that's to me the most effective way to kill a turkey because I just so many body shots I see birds fly off and I know there's a great place where you can hit them and they'll die every time but I think even being in that situation Chris where the birds puffed up and yeah I'm jazzed up I love turkeys like 
I love those birds and I was, you know, we're filming them at eight and a half yards, you know, getting incredible video. And here I'd go blow one right through the center of it, you know, all feathers. Anyway, he goes out there with his buddies, you know, four other gobblers and goes back to gobbling and strutting. And it was just like salt in the wound. Um, so I thought I would call and talk to you about it, you know, as far as, you know, then I switched to headshots and on another setup later in the morning and I took three headshots with zero connections and I was just disgusted with myself. <laughs> All right. I don't I, even I, know where I, you start with that. Well, I'm going to start with this, and it's going to segue back to your story about the capes. You do realize how much crap you're going to catch for saying underground cave, right? Yeah, I guess that's kind of an oxymoron, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> you could have a cave in the side of a cliff, though. <laughs> I did. Anyway. Wait a I minute. Just... Wait a minute. Let's back up. You could have a cave up on the side of a cliff, could you not? Yeah, but it's still on the ground. I don't know why that struck me so funny. I couldn't concentrate for like the last half of the story. I'm so like, you wait. missed my whole story because you were oh, ready to rouse oh. me? No, I didn't. No, why I didn't, didn't you call time out and just give me my <laughs> ration of bull right then? <laughs> Underground cave. Yeah, I guess that is kind of a... Oh, that's awesome. I, I love it. I love it. No, dude, I seriously, I... Well, first and foremost, I, I will say this about your turkey issue. The fact that he went out there and, and strutted, that's awesome to me because that tells me that bird is just fine and he'll live and he'll go on to do great things in the unless somebody else, else smacked him in the face with a load of sixes later this season. But if he goes out there and acts like nothing happened, my guess is you caught almost nothing but feathers. Yeah, there was nothing on my arrow. Um... Yeah, no, no blood. No, I think I, awesome. at the angle I sent you that clip and, you know, here I am in the blind sitting on a stool and they're literally eight and a half yards away. I think at that downward angle hitting it. So if you, if you guys picture the bird facing me full strut and I hit just left of the beard and just a smidge low, but that I'm thinking at a downhill angle it basically just probably slid right under that breast and literally just just you know went right underneath them which i know on a turkey with a bow you're better off hitting them high hit them high watch them die yeah. hit them low watch them go yeah yeah and, and dude we if you if anybody's going to bow hunt turkeys all right. Okay. First and foremost, let me just say this. I know for people listening, this is going to be, some of this is going to be difficult to, some people have a very good ability to visualize things in their mind. And I hope this will make sense. Other people want to see it on video. And, and for those people, sorry, talking about it and not showing a video is going to suck. But, um, yeah, that, I mean, it, they Anybody can go on my Instagram. I'm gonna put the video up of where of the shot and everything, so you you can go on my yeah. Instagram to see the the complete uh, fail that I had. But and then um, if and, and if and then if people want to like see the other side of, of that equation, like success, they can go on on my. <laughs> no, there, there is a. But then that, the that didn't come out exactly right. <laughs> 
You want to see the epic fail go on Jay's page when you want to see the complete success go on my page. No, but I get it. You have a great video on no, I mean, what we're, yeah, resources. You yeah, do. I will yeah. give you that. That's yeah, why I'm what, calling you. What we're talking about here in the turkey module, I have a in the um, bows and am, the straight shot videos. Straight shot is just a real quick videos that I just give you the nuts and bolts on, on topics and my thoughts. Well, I did one about turkey anatomy and then uh, body shots, it, you know, cause again, and, and Jay, you, you, you mentioned it, you know, you got the head, there's people that bow hunt turkeys and they want to use either expandables or traditional, just fixed blade broadheads. And they want to take body shots or people that want to take a head shot and they can, you've got, a, there's, I think there's another one out there and I don't know, but essentially you've got the gobbler guillotine or Magnus bullhead. I am a huge, I, I am not associated with Magnus in any way, shape, or form. I don't owe them a dime. They don't owe me a dime. I love their broadheads. And I've got a, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, Kurt Geist and I did a, I mean, the most in-depth video on those broadheads, tuning them, getting them ready to go. Uh, that, that you Just go to our YouTube, or go to my YouTube channel, YouTube channel on Row Hunting Resources. You can look that video up, and it's about an hour long, and we go through setting those up. There is something viscerally satisfying about shooting a turkey in the face. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a shotgun or a, or, or a Magnus bullhead, there's just something satisfying about that. But like you said, Jay, 90% of the time, if you take a headshot, even with a, with a head chopper style broadhead, you either kill them or you miss them clean. Now there are some, you know, I think Magnus and other people are like, Oh no, it's either they're either dead or alive. Well, the only, the only I have seen shots go low catch him in the wing butt and you break that wing well you know you didn't kill the bird the bird runs off of the broken wing dragon uh, sorry he's got a broken wing he's a dead bird you know you didn't kill him the bobcat coyote whatever's gonna get him later because he can't get up to roost so but 95 plus percent of the time probably you either shoot him and hit him or you shoot him and miss him and so i really really do love the head chopper style broadheads. However, for those people that are thinking about doing that, again, watch that video because you do have to consider, you can't use your normal elk and deer uh, arrows. Most of the time, they're not long enough to clear your hand and your sights and the front of your bow because, again, they've got a huge cutting diameter. So, okay, so go to Row Hunting Resources YouTube channel, look up the video that Kurt and I did on Magnus Bullheads. And if you follow that, and I'm dead serious, if you follow that video and do what we tell you to do, you can shoot a, a turkey in the head as far as you can shoot. We literally, uh, Kurt and I and John McDonald sat in a blind one year. And you're, again, <laughs> Jay, you're not the only one. I struggled in the beginning. Even Kurt, Kurt won the state championship. I mean, he was a state champion archery shooter, competition shooter for, I don't know how many, I mean, multiple times. And uh, he missed repeatedly. The three adults are sitting in this blind. It's John and Kurt's 
turn to shoot. We juggle back and forth. They both miss this bird while he's eight steps in front of the blind. Finally, this bird takes off and he gets out there. Kurt's like, get out of the way. Knocks an arrow and Kurt smacks this thing in the head at 50 yards with a Magnus bullhead. Okay, so my point being, if you tune those things right, they will fly. Out of any setup, anybody can shoot them, but you've got to set them up right. But it does. How do you set them up right? But that's okay. You've got to get the spine right, which means you're going to have to generally go with a heavier spined arrow. You're going to have to go. Now, Magnus will say now and I am not critical of Magnus because you can go to Magnus Bullhead's web page and you can buy their broadheads and they sell. I used to be a three pack of, of ready to go arrows. If you're starting there, dude, that's a great way to go. I encourage you to do it. But you don't necessarily need to use a full-length arrow because, again, depending on your draw length, etc. But you are going to need a, an arrow that is longer than typically what you shoot for deer and elk because it's going to have to clear your hand, the front of the riser, and your it, it, depending on how the blade orientation is, your sights. Okay, So it's got to be longer because it's longer – especially with the new bows that we have out there today that have a high, you know, there's a lot of energy being transferred from the bow to the arrow. So there's an aggressive power stroke. If you're going to have that long of an arrow and an aggressive power stroke, you're going to need a stiffer arrow. The other thing too is a lot of times you're better off having more uh, veins or and or feathers in the back. Feathers do great because they don't weigh a lot. But you can also go four fletch, and you can get a lot of, of drag or steerage off the back end of it. So, again, you're going to need a different arrow setup. And I always encourage people, if you're going to be shooting turkeys with a bow, do not hesitate to drop the poundage of your bow 10 pounds if you need to. You're not needing to get the arrow there. like You're not hunting a whitetail. Okay, you don't, or you're not hunting pronghorn out in the flats to where you need an arrow to get there right now. You can shoot lower poundage and still do very, very well. All right, so all those things go into the fact that you're dealing with a different broadhead that requires a different arrow setup. So you've got to take time setting that up and tuning that arrow properly. Start with your uh, paper tuning. Make sure that arrow paper tunes well. Then go to maybe a large fixed blade broadhead, a large profile fixed blade broadhead. Not these little, not a, uh, not a slick trick or something, you know, like the small heads. No, you want a large profile fixed blade broadhead, something that's going to catch a lot of wind because that's going to show you any foible that you have in your release, in your, uh, your torque of your bow or spine of your arrow. It's going to exacerbate it, and it's not going to tune. Tune that, and then once you get a fixed blade broadhead to shoot just like your field tips, you can literally throw that Magnus bullhead on, and you can rock and roll. What do it's, you shoot the Magnus bullhead in? Do you practice a shot with the Magnus oh, yeah. bullhead, and what do you shoot into? Pillows. Go to seriously. Go to Walmart. Buy the cheapest pillow. I think you. I think uh, their pillows are like a buck fifty. You can go to the, the section where you can buy pillows, and they're cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Buy a handful of pillows, hang them, 
Seriously, we go through this whole thing on the video. Hang them, all right? So they free fall, they just swing freely. Take a magic marker, draw you know a one inch circle or whatever you need dot on that pillow, and shoot into a pillow. And literally, you can you can shoot repetitive times into that pillow with that Magnus bullhead, and you're just fine. I have not seen the same thing happen with a gobbler guillotine. I know people shoot gobbler guillotine and do well with it, but there are some limitations. My experience, I am, again, the reason why I'm a fan of Magnus Bullheads is because they're so darn durable and they have a lifetime warranty. So if you tore, so for instance, say you miss the pillow, say you catch something hard or you shoot a turkey, okay, the impact of that thing, yeah, it's going to, it's going to kill that turkey. And yes, you can get replacement broadheads or blades for those heads, but you may torque the ferrule of the head of that Magnus bullhead. Well, Magnus bullheads are guaranteed for life. Literally, you can shoot a turkey, tweak the ferrule, put it in a box, send it back to Magnus. Magnus will send you a brand new broadhead. I'm dead. I, I don't. I'm not trying to game the system here, but folks, literally, you can buy a three pack of Magnus bullheads. Go out, kill turkeys. Take your tweaked ones after season, send them to Magnus. They send you new ones. You'll have a brand new set of Magnus bullheads ready to go for next season. You buy them once and you've got them for life. I'm serious. Magnus is awesome. All right. And they fly the best. What about keeping them in a quiver or do you just carry them? How, no, how, no, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Magnus is already, they already, they already solved that. They've got their little hood. Now you've got the one thing I don't like. I wish they sold them together. Eh, they got to make money. They sell adapters. Basically, it is a, you can put the entire three-blade Magnus into this little hood, and that little hood will slip into your existing quiver perfectly. Now, with that said, I do not recommend shooting your bow with arrows in the quiver with your arrows in those hoods. The hoods are plastic. They're a thin plastic. They work very, very well for transport, but if you shoot your bow with those arrows in the, the plastic hood, it's loud. So when you get in your blind or if you get your it, quiver off. bingo, you nailed it. Pop your quiver off and, and go for it. Absolutely go for it. Okay, a couple questions so, for you. I know I've probably interrupted and you've got other right. things, but what distance would you say, and I know you said Kurt shot one at 50 yards, but is it is it okay to assume that out to 20 yards that those things can shoot pretty darn good if you do a, if you do due diligence prior to season i show you in the video those suckers will fly true 10 20 30 40 50. it doesn't matter they fly true period now if you don't tune your arrows or they're not spined properly or you are torquing your bow hard or you punch the trigger on your release or whatever and you put a lot of kick in the arrow, oh yeah, those suckers are going to plane on you. And I, the farther you go, the worse they get. So if you are one of those people that just can't, for some reason, just cannot get them to tune well at 20, 30, 40 yards. Still, even today, most most of the time, 
10 yards, those suckers are on. Doesn't matter how bad you punch the trigger or not. And I'm dead serious. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if I'm hunting with, with a bow with fixed blades, expandables, mag. I, it doesn't matter. The, it doesn't matter the setup. Let's just, I put my decoys, if I'm sitting in a blind, I put my decoys where I want to take the shot. 10 steps. My strutter is 10 steps from the blind. And then my Jake decoy is 15 steps. I've got a, the whole whipping, what I call the whipping boy setup. It, the farthest shot at either one, either my strutter or my Jake is the Jake is 15 yards. 90% of the time you can get a Magnus bullhead to fly well at up to 20 yards. That's not hard to do. So people, if you're going to hunt out of a blind, you can set your decoys at 10 yards, get those birds in there point blank, and shoot them in the face. That's what I needed. Um, if if you were to hit and and your arrow flies low and you, let's say, at 10 yards and you hit those suckers, let's say, right about at the beard, and, and let's oh. say you're pulling a, you know, 70 <laughs> pounds, is it going to literally yeah. just knock them off their feet and kill them? Or, no. Or no. knock the air out of them, or what does it do? Because I'm sure you've seen it. And and I will for, please, John McDonald, forgive me, <laughs> but I'm but I'm going to use you as an example. <laughs> there was a year two. I don't. I, I'll let, let's just say a year. I'm not going to say two because I don't remember if it was two or one. John had a, a year where he just for some st- I, and none of us can figure it out. I don't know what he would just hit low every single time. He would hit him in the body every single time. He would hit him in the breast. He'd hit him in the beard. He'd every single time. So in other words, he's probably drawing and working his way up, and he's releasing early. Or he's coming to full draw, and then he because he had a bow at the time, Bowtech that it had a real big valley. And what we were thinking is maybe he wasn't anchoring all the way and and pulling in through it. He was kind of creeping, and so the draw cycle wasn't. I don't know, but he hit him in the body every single time. And most of the time, it's going to stumble them. There's going to be feathers everywhere. And then they're going to get up and put, 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 put. And then they're just going to, you know, maybe they go into strut. Maybe they ain't coming back. Most of them ain't coming back. You, I mean, all they know is that decoy, the strutter that they just came into, just kicked the ever-loving snot out of them. <laughs> and they never even saw it coming. So at that point, they're like, dude, I'm going to get, maybe I should give him some space. And so <laughs> they'll just out there and they'll, I mean, some of them will strut, but most of them will leave. But you're just going to get a pile of feathers. Because if if the bird, okay, that's if the bird is facing you. Because the other thing that people need to consider is if you look at the anatomy of a turkey, when they're strutted out or even partially strutted out, between the outer feathers and the beard, so okay, again, let's let's say again, you're aiming from the waddles to the head. But if you shoot low and you hit in that chest, the beard, anywhere around the beard, not only do they have the air pocket of the crop, that pocket of the crop where they store food, which is a big air pocket, but they also have that breast sponge, which is a very fatty, uh, well, spongy mass on the front of their breast and then they have that huge chunk of muscle which is their breast muscle so they've got a whole bunch and then all the the thick feathers they've got a pile of cushioning before you even get close to the vitals now 
I'm saying this assuming people are shooting the full, say, 125-grain Magnus bullhead that has the full, I think it's a three-plus-inch, four-inch, three or three-and-a-half-inch cutting diameter. They do make a one-and-a-half-inch or a 100-grain, I think it's a two-inch cutting diameter or something. I don't know. It's a much smaller one, and they claim that you can do body shots. I have zero information on those. I've never used them. Never tried it. I've only gone with the larger Magnus bullheads that are designed to smack them in the head. So if you're using those and you hit them in the body, in the front, in the front of the chest, if he's facing you, you're just going to take a whole bunch of feathers off. Now, broadside, I have personally taken feathers off their back. I have personally taken front feathers off of their the, the front of their chest. But I have personally witnessed people if they hit low and to the you know to the angle to the side and they catch that wing butt just by sheer kinetic energy and pe- you know just just momentum of that arrow I've seen it break their wing and and you can it's only happened once but it broke his wing and and he stumbled off and he took off running and there he goes so okay and then the race is on. When, yeah. it, when it hits any part of their neck, their waddle, or their head, any part of that blade, does it just it, – they're just dead on their feet? Uh, not necessarily. I have – if people watch my through the seat – and I think I've got this one up. Maybe I don't. But if I don't, I, I'll, I'll try to get it up soon. Um, yeah, if you catch any part of bone, their their neck bone or their skull, they're, they're – stone cold dead i mean they're gone obviously you see the highlight reels on the youtube channel and where the heads are gone you know go flying absolutely that happens but i've more often than not smacked them and most of the time the head is still attached by a thread of skin or something like that but it'll sever that spine it'll lay that skull wide open and they're dead dead stone cold dead however i have clipped them just enough where it caught the jugular and the bird, I mean, the bird's flopping all, just going all over the place and blood's going everywhere. I hate to be graphic, but blood's going everywhere. And all I did was cut his jugular and his windpipe. It just went right under his chin and just thip, cut his throat. And he's dead. Done. Yeah, smoke. He's, he's done. Toast. So it seems to me, and I've seen a lot of turkeys not recovered, and it's something in our sport mm-hmm. that hardly ever gets talked about. But, yep. I mean, I've, I have friends of mine that are some of the best archers around and they they body shot them i've seen it and they just they they never find them it seems to me that neck and head shot your margin of of you know even if you make a bad shot and you hit any part of that area they're dead Whereas well, yeah, most if of the you time. go for body shots and you miss the, you know, the, the softball size target, the uh, margin, of, and, the margin uh, of error is, is, is huge. Meaning, um, you know, leg shot, breast shot, you know, and they're I'll, not, I'll, they're not I, and I, and, and I'll even take a step back. I, I'll disagree with that. That I, I, I understand you're saying the softball, it's, in my my opinion, it's not a softball. It's a baseball. You're, no, you're looking at more like a racquetball. Because the thing, and here's, this is a pro, okay. I don't even know how to say it. There's a lot of there's a lot of 
bad information out there. And I don't think the bad information is malicious, malicious intent, has malicious intent or is based off of ignorance. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it's Here's the deal. Um, and I show you this in on the turkey module. When you, and I heard you say it, you know, you go for the thigh, upper thigh shot. There's two, there's two schools of thought when you're taking a body shot. All right, let's, let's just forget headshots for a minute. And let's just go to a body shot. If you're using a regular fixed blade broadhead or you're using, using an expandable head, I'm going to suggest to you, if you can, always use the largest mechanical head that you can you know you can efficiently shoot just give tur turkeys are just shoot, i i really don't see any reason not to shoot a mechanical okay i mean granted you can use a fixed blade and I'll, we'll talk about both of those but if you can use a mechanical most mechanicals are going to give you a much much larger cutting diameter going through that bird and with turkeys you need trauma in that chest in in the in the chest cavity but the problem is some of the places that people advocate shooting turkeys end up sending an arrow in places where they don't have heart and lung art arteries and major cardiovascular areas that, that are going to cause damage. For instance, well, it, two schools of thought. One, the wing butt, shoot him in the shoulder, shoot him in that wing butt and anchor him there. Or another school of thought is aim for the upper thighs, the, the hip joint, the hip socket or the upper uh, drumsticks because Okay, and and the and the argument for both of those theories is this: shoot him in the wing butt, and and you can anchor him. Well, yeah, you can if the arrow goes into the vitals, and I'll touch on that in here in a minute. But some people have seen, depending on the broadhead you're using, you catch that wing butt, that joint, that bone, that's a big honking joint. It's a bunch of bone. And you can actually, yes, you can break it and the arrow can go through it. But if you de deflect in any way that doesn't either break the spine or deflect that arrow into the chest cavity, you can bust that wing big time and you can bowl him over and he's going to flop, 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 flop. And then all of a sudden he jumps up and takes off running. Well, now, now you're chasing him. Well, depending on the terrain and depending on the habitat, you may or may not either be able to run him down or if he takes off and he gets into a spot where you can't follow him, if there's no blood trail, which in the wing butt shot, there most likely is not going to be. And you can't follow feathers through tall grass or whatever. You know, for us with the Rio Grands out here, you get into CRP or some of these weedy river bottoms, they're gone. They're just gone. They'll take off running. They'll smoke you. And then they'll go bury themselves under a log jam or something like that to hide. It's natural instinct, and you'll never find them. So people then said, okay, well, forget the wing butt. If you catch that hip socket or the pelvis or the upper thigh, if you break their legs, if you break their pelvis, in order for a turkey to fly, it first jumps either runs it starts to run and then flaps and then flies 
or it leaps into the air with its legs and gets its wings under it and then it flies. So if you bust that pelvis or the upper thigh bone, that joint, well, they don't have any legs under them. They can't go anywhere. They can't run and they can't jump to fly. And so they might be flopping all over the place, but you can run them down. Okay. And now the other thing that's part of the reason why I said before, turn your poundage down because in many, many instances, if you are going to shoot turkeys with a fixed blade or if you're going to shoot turkeys with a body shot, there are many, many advantages to leaving that arrow inside the bird. Because A, it's going to be harder for them to flap their wings. B, it's going to be harder for them to run. Even if they run and they start going through grass and they you know, go to hide, maybe you can see your fletchings, your arrow sticking up or whatever. Having an arrow retain inside the body cavity of the bird pays huge dividends in slowing that animal down to where you can get on them. Okay, but here's the thing. And I show this in that video. If you look at where the hip joint is in the pelvis, that's the gut pocket. That's intestines. And so if you miss bone or, heaven forbid, you just bust one leg and he can get up and he can hop and, and they'll get up and hop and they'll go long distances very, very quickly with one leg or they'll get up off the ground with one leg and they'll start to fly. Well, okay, you just put an arrow through the intestines and the stomach, kidneys, maybe liver, but that bird is going to fly. That bird is, bird is, unless you can run him down right then and there, you could lose that bird. And so, Jay, like you, I, you know, hunting myself, I've learned my lessons the hard way. And then guiding and taking other hunters, I'll tell you right now, I no longer advocate taking a wing butt shot. I no longer advocate taking that upper thigh shot. What I did in that video is I took that bird apart and I opened him up and opened up the chest cavity and showed you what the internal anatomy looks like on a turkey. Because what a lot of people don't realize is their internal chest cavity, their, their internal cavity is similar, but critically different from deer and elk in the fact that people think if I, if I get an arrow in that, what they call the quote unquote chest cavity, well, he's done. Well, the problem is, is most of that internal cavity is not chest cavity it is stomach intestines cavity and the chest cavity a turkey's lungs do not fill the entire area they only fill the back and in between the ribs there's a in and i show in the video if you've never well there's a lot of people that gut turkeys that never remove the lungs. The only way that you can remove the lungs out of a turkey is to literally take your fingers, insert your fingers in between the ribs, and then push your fingers down through towards the spine in between the ribs and pop those lungs out. So 
when we're talking about the cardiovascular system of a turkey and the chest cavity, you're really talking about the size of a racquetball rather than the larger area, what you said, of the softball. Yes, if you put an area through the gut cavity, that turkey's going to be hurting. You're going to kill that turkey, but he can run a long ways. He can hide on you, and it's going to be a brutal tracking job. You know, what I hear you saying, and I've heard it from a lot of other people too, and, and talking about the upper leg shot so they can't you know run away and they can't fly away. If I said, okay, when a deer comes into your stand, I want you to shoot him in the back hip yeah, socket yeah, yeah. so that he can't get away so that he drags himself off or he lays there because you've broken yeah. his hips. I, to me, I value a turkey as much as I do any other animal. So for me, I, I've just kind of come to the point, and after this weekend of being disgusted, it's like I need to start headshot, you know, head neck shot turkeys. And forget the body because yeah, I mean no. I've probably seen a you know for people listening out there you know I see you know thirty forty birds a year for the last however many years with all my Gould's turkey hunts and all the Merriams and all the different stuff and I see a lot of them get away with a bow and I just think I'm kind of transitioning where I think the only reasonable shot is head neck. Because if you hit in that area, you're going to kill them. Whereas the other ones, like you said, break their legs, they fly off. But once they take flight, your chances of finding them are, I would say, 2 in 10. Well, it depends on the habitat you're in. You're coming from a standpoint of Goulds and maybe even Merriams, which are generally... Thick you know, pines and... Okay, pines, you might have some brush country in there as well, but what you nailed is perfect is the, the ridges. They can fly up and over a ridge, and goodness gracious, now what? They can just set their wings and sail, shoot a half a mile depending or more, depending on the terrain, and you don't know which way they go. Yeah, once For, they go over the ridge, they could bank hard left oh, and yeah. you're never even looking in the right spot. It, you know, if you're hunting— but. Uh, Midwest areas where maybe it's flatter and they, you know, you've got visual on them, then, then that's one thing. But it, it just seems, but also from, it seems like a, an ethical kill scenario, head, neck, I mean. Yeah, but there's, I mean, the thing is, is and, and I'm, again, I'm, I understand it. And, and that's where, okay, uh, dude, I've been in the same, I, I was in the same place you were. Okay, there was years that literally I would go to Turkey. And I say turkey camp because we would literally go and travel as me and a couple friends. Um, we would go to turkey camp and I would make sure I had a quiver, eight arrows ready to go. Because dang it, I was going to get my money's worth. I was going to shoot at some turkeys. And so I might shoot six shots and I just completely miss or whatever and finally be able to connect. And, you know, I, I'm like you. Wounded animals, I mean, seriously, seriously bother me. And so most of the time I was missing, just flat out, just comic, comedy of errors missing. I've got uh, does, oh, stories. But anyway, so I went from missing to 
just like you did. I, I you know, I, I take a couple of body shots and, and the bird would take off or whatever. And I lose them. I'm like, all right, that ain't happening ever again. And so I went over and I transitioned over to the Magnus bullheads. Well, I've literally gone back now to, you know, the rage hypodermics. I, I, I go back to my mechanicals because now I understand where to hit them and I don't I don't necessarily have to I don't have to use an entirely different arrow setup for my turkeys I can use my deer and elk setup for my turkeys because now I know where to hit them now it takes some discipline not and, and I'm you and I joked earlier about this and I'm not ragging on you about this but it does take some discipline of knowing when not to shoot because if those turkeys are shucking and jiving and moving and, and just engaging those decoys and all of this, that, okay, even if you execute the most perfect shot imaginable, within a fraction of a second, that bird can sidestep and now your arrow impacts out of the kill zone. So you've, you've got to, this is where, and I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but this is where study of behavior study of how turkeys engage decoys, what, you know, just behavior, how they engage one another, how they engage the decoy setup that you've put out and then watching their behavior and how they settle into those decoys, having the discipline to let things unfold initially, let the birds work those decoys. And then you can watch them settle in, calm down. And now they're a much more static target. If you know where to properly aim at a bird, dude, you'll dump them every single time. I swear it. Yeah. So don't, don't, so don't be discouraged about, you know, this year. I mean, seriously, as a friend, don't be discouraged because I think you could go right back out in the field and just start smacking them and literally anchoring them right then and there, putting them on the ground and watching them, their head flop over in 15, 20 seconds. Boom, done. I think the hard part for me was, you know, I sent I sent you like a five-second clip, and you're like, why didn't mm-hmm. you let them settle down? I'm like, dude, they were there for like an hour, and I finally decided to shoot. But, but I can honestly tell you, and Travis, you know, was laughing. We were having a good time until I realized what an idiot I am. But... Where my arrow hit is nowhere close to where I should have been aiming. So well, okay. What, so I think I, what I think I did, I think I made a horrible shot. What I think I did is yeah. I draw back whether I yeah. didn't anchor properly or I just, you know, was kind of shooting at a downhill angle. I know to never hit them where I shot them. Like, like. I think I almost panicked. Like, I don't understand, <laughs> you know. Well, that's, it, dude, you nailed, I mean, that is the thing that people, uh, it is not. I, mean, like I basically went for center mass and just pulled the trigger when I know that I, you, those top feathers on the top of their back, if you can hit about an inch or an inch and a half below that, which is about six inches when they're fully fanned out, six inches below that, you will knock them down and kill, I mean. Yeah destroy yeah, yeah. them and yeah. i hit six inches below that or yeah you were excited eight inches yeah i think i just got freaking worked and up there's, and-, and that's and that's the other thing too is you know i did not see what transpired up to that point but what i saw 
and believe me, by all means, correct me and tell me I'm I'm completely wrong. But what what I saw in that short clip you gave me was a bird that was coming in to that decoy spread, and he was initiating activity in those decoys. He had not been in those decoys for a long time. No, what happened is is he had been in there, in and out of them for a good 30 minutes, like standing on the decoy. Like I had, I never even, I never even drew my bow. Like I was just, we were videoing and enjoying the show. It was one of those that was such a good morning with, you know, seven, eight toms total in the field. Four of them are, you know, at eight and a half yards right at our decoys. They're, they're standing on the submissive hen, literally taking turns, you know, mounting the submissive hen. They're, you know, slapping the, the, the full strut. They're over there beating the, the, the DSD Jake, you know, the whipping boy. They've got okay. that stake completely leaned over. And then he re-engages as the other birds kind of worked okay. off. And I okay. thought, okay, here's my time. But you're right. He was coming back into the spread. Yes. I should have let him get on the submissive and you know how they yes. kind of crouch down and kind of yes. they kind of calm down after their initial approach like yes when they first come up they're kind of all jazzed up but once they kind of settle in like you said yep. i i totally agree i'm not disagreeing with what you said but before that he had been there for 30 40 minutes just doing everything known to man which i had tons of shots it was more of a function of i don't really want to shoot because this is incredible video this is you know opportunity to have you know these types of birds this close doing their thing they obviously don't know we're here um and and you know it's not often that turkeys will come and beat decoys for you know f- 40 minutes or so and you get to see that so and then I finally thought, yeah, you know, the other birds had kind of worked off. I thought, yeah, I'll go ahead and shoot this one. There was actually one with a double beard, and I didn't, I didn't shoot at him. And I just, I, I, you know, when you make a shot and you just think, that was, I wasn't like, I, I had to have just went up and just yeah. like I, you know, I, I, I didn't take it serious enough or not serious enough, but I needed to go through my routine and I needed to really hone in. I think I just pulled back, you know, was bringing my bow up kind of to where I want. And I just slapped the trigger. Well, and, and that happens. I, and I did that. With, I, I'll freely admit it my, with my whitetail this year. I mean, this buck's come out. He walks up broadside. I pull back. I know darn well where I need to hit. And I watched my pin settle about six inches back from where it needed to be. And I, boom, send it. I'm like, what? What did I, what? What did I just do? Yeah, I mean, obviously he ran around the corner, blah, blah, blah. I got him. But, oh, yeah. I mean, turkeys, but if you've never bow hunted turkeys or, I guess, really even more importantly, for those people that have bow hunted turkeys and that are discouraged by it, that's the thing is there's something about watching those birds come in and you're shooting them with a bow. You just get jazzed because I think in part, if you started bow hunting or if you started bow hunting turkeys after you've already shotgun turkeys, like you said, I'm the same way. I cut my teeth with a 12 gauge shotgun on turkeys there is something viscerally satisfying about shooting a turkey in the face. And so you just, it's just this, it's this impact and boom, duck, I don't know. It's, it's just awesome. Well, 
if you go with a body shot with a turkey and you've grown up with that 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 impact with a shotgun, you get to see that impact and you get to see all of everything unfold. And I think a lot of people get so jazzed up about a turkey in their setup and the bird's moving and they pull back and they're like, oh, that sucker's right there and I'm going to shoot. Not only are they shooting too quick, but I think they're shooting and looking and they're waiting to see that traumatic, you know, just boom, anchor the turkey right on the ground. Well, I think that's, again, you know, like you said, he, he that your bird did not come. You want, If you're going to shoot a bird with a bow, my recommendation, and a lot of people these days are using a strutter or a jake and hens and a lot of people are starting to use the high definition decoys you use uh dave smith i've used the avian x both of they're phenomenal and uh, if anybody's listening to this and has not invest is a serious turkey hunter and has not invested in the ultra realistic high definition decoys especially your either your strutter well i don't even see your strutter your jake and a couple of hens, because I still use the Primos B-Mobile, and I've got reasons for that. But um, if you're not using your high-end decoys, the high-definition decoys, you're missing it. Because you the A, you get so many more birds to finish and come into your decoy spread. And then more importantly, especially if you're taking kids, or if you're especially if you're taking first-timers, those birds will come in and literally, I've had them literally spend hours in front of the decoys. We, Kurt and I, I've got, I, I know this video is on our YouTube channel. Um, Kurt and I sat and literally had a group of Jakes in front of, in, in our decoys for, I think, if I remember correctly, almost 16 hours. I mean, they just, they would not leave. So, like you, you started them in the morning and you sat there with them all day? Yes. And finally they walked away for a brief moment. We picked up, we moved our set. So if we could finally get to where we thought the birds were going to come back to roost that night, we reset up, started calling the same two, the same Jake's came back and they just camped out all day until finally towards the evening, the, the mature birds came in, ran them off, but they literally were in there all day to, uh, either last year or the year before, I think it was year, I think it was the year before two years ago now. Um, literally one of our client, one of my clients, uh, with the kids, we literally had no choice. He had a, the, the, the kid, uh, was first time hunter, had a 20 gauge, wanted the shot no more than 20 yards. We had the decoy set right at, I always advocate setting your Jake and your strutter where you want to take the shot. So use them as yardage markers. So I set those babies at 20 yards. That bird, we finally killed a bird. He he got his first bird. But we literally had to let that bird work those decoys for over an out, solid hour. Literally nonstop, I don't know, an hour, 15 minutes. That bird would not sit still. And it's a mature bird. It was, a, it was at least a two-year-old, if not a three-year-old bird. That bird would not sit still long enough for that for the entire hour. The kid is on the shooting sticks with a gun on his shoulder, and we're just okay. What? Okay, wait. No, wait. Watch. No. Okay, no, hold up. Wait. Just wait. Okay. Yeah. No. Nope. Got it. That bird just would not stop moving. 
But if you let the bird finally get it out of their system, just get their initial shucking and jiving out of their system, most of the time they will settle down and either just full strut or they'll go and posture over the decoy. They'll, they'll, they'll stand bolt upright and they'll push against the decoy with their chest. And a lot of times they'll just stand there leaned up against him. Those are the times when the bird has finally started to settle in that you want to take your shot. Not when they initially come in and are shucking and jiving. Most of the time when my clients have either missed or wounded a bird, it's because they have shot too soon. And 90% of the time now, when I mean the guys will I mean guys or gals, kids, doesn't matter. The birds come in, boom, they puff up, they'll, you know, spit and drum right next to the decoys, come in, pound the decoys. I'm all, I mean, they're ready to draw their bow or they're ready to pull the shirt. I'm like, no, 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 wait, just enjoy the show, watch them. You can tell when the bird all of a sudden, he'll, he just, he's settled in a little bit now, now's the time to take your shot because now the bird is not moving as much. Now you've kind of got your initial adrenaline out of the way, your initial excitement. You've watched the show. You're a little bit more composed. And most of the time, you can take a better shot. And we haven't even talked about where I suggest to take a shot. but Let's talk about it. Two things. One, I have now come to the conclusion, even for myself, I just – I just won't take it unless I'm take unless I'm shooting a Magnus bullhead. I will not take a front on shot. I just won't. Um, because if you look, go ahead. You were going to say something. No. All right. Um, if, if that bird is in full strut in front of you, or it doesn't matter if he's standing there facing you, people need to realize that they're, vitals are easily four, if not six inches behind the feathers that you see. Meaning if that bird is in full strut facing you, yes, I mean, and I'm talking perfect, perfect front on facing you. Yes, you're aiming and what I, I mean, the, the general rule of thumb is that triangle. You want to aim a, between the top of the beard and the bottom of the wallow, waddles. And dead center, left and right, straight line, but dead center between the top of the beard and the bottom of, of the waddles. That's left and right, that is perfect. But those vit- your arrow is not going to engage the vitals until it's already passed four to six inches into the body of that bird. The reason why that's important to understand is if that bird is turned even in the slightest amount and you don't notice it, you aim for that line, the dead center between the beard and the waddles, your your arrow's going at an angle and you literally can put an arrow right through the long axis of that you know, left or right breast muscle and that bird's gone. You didn't get an arrow in the chest cavity. That bird must be dead on facing you 
And in the heat of the moment, in my experience, even with myself, most people will not pick up on the subtleties of whether or not that bird is twisted a little bit or not. I, If I'm going to body shot a bird, now, Magnus Bullhead, oh, give me a front-on shot every day. I will smack him in the waddles. Oh, it's a perfect shot. But if I'm using regular broadheads or expandables and I'm going to use, I'm going to take a body shot, I will set my decoys in a manner and I will wait for that bird behaviorally to turn and, and turn broadside. And if you watch that video and if you look at the turkey anatomy and you pay attention, yes, hit him high, watch him die, hit him low, watch him go. The reason why you hit him high, watch him die is because, yes, you'll hit bone, you'll hit the spine, they'll anchor right there. But those lungs are interlaced in the ribs of the turkey, and the ribs, and the, well, the lungs occupy only the top half. So if that bird is standing there broadside, the lungs don't fill the chest cavity like the lungs do fill a chest cavity of a deer or an elk. The lungs are only on the top half of that chest cavity. Now, yes, his, his heart is in there and he's got other viscera and everything else in there, but the lungs are only on the top half. And so you want to put your arrow through that top half of the chest cavity. If you watch, and, and a lot of turkey hunters will understand the wing butt the shoulder where the wing attaches to the body is not the point of the wing that you see whether he's strutting whether his wings are up or whatever if you watch those wings there is a point to the wings that that points forward that's essentially lack of a better term his elbow joint I'm talking about the wing butt, where the wing disappears into the body. The feathers of the wing disappear into the body from that point. And then if you pay attention to the bronze band, what people oftentimes call the bronze band. There's some people that say if you want to hit them in the, in the pelvis or the drumstick or whatever, shoot them in the bronze band. Okay, well, again, my argument is... That bronze band is going to put that arrow in the gut pocket, the intestines. But if you draw a line from the top edge of the bronze feathers to the place where the wing disappears into the body, that is your chest cavity. And that's the upper half of that chest cavity. If you shoot halfway between the top edge of the bronze feathers and where the wing disappears into the body, that arrow is going to go through ribs, it's going to go through lung, it's going to go through heart, it's going to go through arteries, and most of the time, it's going to break that spine. That bird is going to hit like a t drop like a ton of bricks. He's going to flop for about five to ten seconds, and he's going to be stone cold dead. Done. So, again, I... Draw a line between where the wing disappears into the body and where the top edge, the highest point, the top edge of that bronze feathers on his wings. Draw a line between there and shoot halfway between it and you'll anchor that bird almost every single time. And I will set my decoys 
to make that bird stand broadside, or I will not shoot him until he is broadside. And it doesn't matter if he's in strut or if he's if he's kind of partially strut or his wings are up. If he's in strut, the way his wings are, the way his feathers are, it works. And if he's standing upright, the way he tucks his, his wings, and it just it the way that line works, it it works almost every single time, and you'll anchor him. Because I saw it, Jay, it, for at a good example, um, and it, it's a great your video that you posted. You you had a basically you had a submissive hen, the hen lay down hen, the hen that was in the breeding position. Okay, anybody that buys those hens that are laying on the ground, that hen behaviorally is showing through body language to the gobbler that she wants to breed. That's why the gobblers jump on her back and, and want to breed her. You had a great setup with that hen and the gobbler. The only criticism that I would give you on your setup is your hen was quartering towards you. If you watch a gobbler climb up onto the back of a hen, he will only do it one way. From the back. Even if he comes up on the side, he will orient himself parallel, same right. direction as that hand. Yeah, I'm watching the video. I'm watching the video on my iPad while you're talking, and it's exactly right that that submissive hen was quartering to me, and it should have been brought. It should have been Bingo. perpendicular to me, which would have made him perfectly broadside every time. Yeah, exactly. You want if you are going to use a lay down hand. If you, you if you guys listen if you go on my Instagram and you go to part four of Texas Turkey Hunt, bingo, um, you'll you. see where the bird is up on the submissive hen and he's basically at a quartering angle. If I would have set that perpendicular, yes, to the blind, that bird would now be on her completely broadside, and I never bingo. even thought of that. Bingo. Yes, exactly. That uh, it, 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 and most people don't. And and again, I'm not being critical of it. This is just again, no, I it's learning. I I love behavior, and and I'm a geek on behavior. That is where you use that behavior to your advantage. He will line himself up on her back, and you put that decoy brought. Dude, I'm what I'm looking at a video that I did right now on my computer. And even back then, this is a couple years old now, even I made that mistake. It's something that folks listening, if you're going to use a lay down hen and you want to take the shot when the bird is on top of that hen, make sure that hen is broadside to you right where you want to take this tent. If you're using a bow and you're shooting out of a blind, put it 10 yards. Seriously, the birds, will, they don't care about blinds 99% of the time. So put that, that wherever you want to take the shot, whatever yardage, and if it's with a shotgun, say your best pattern is at 25 yards. Okay, put that late, put that, put those decoys out as yardage markers to where you optimize your effectiveness with whatever method of take you're using. But put that lay down hen broadside to you when that bird climbs up on top of her she will be broadside the second part about that though is yes we're talking about taking body shots with a bow and she's brought and now, now the turkey is broadside for anybody that's using head chopper broadheads or anybody that's using a shotgun if you watch the behavior of that turkey when he's on her back 
most of the time, at some point, his head is going to be sticking up like a sore thumb. It's it's like low-hanging fruit. Just pick it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's by by setting the decoy the 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 lay down hand that way not only is he going to be broadside but behaviorally because of what that bird has to do in order to try to breed her he's got to stick his head up so it doesn't matter if you're using a shotgun doesn't matter if you're using magnus bullheads or any other head chopper style broadhead doesn't matter if you're shooting him with a fixed blade or expandable that bird is in prime position to shoot him good stuff but um, I mean, but, I, but that's it, look, but that's look, if the bird is on the lay down hand. I think we could talk about decoys position for another two hours, talking about the, <laughs> the Jake and the strutter. But real fast, I typically, if I think a bird is coming from out in front of me, I put the tail fan of the strutter facing the bird, and the bird's head looking at me. And one of the reasons I do that is because I feel like gobblers will always approach other gobblers from behind and then they will circle around and come face to face. Okay. So yep. I, I feel like with the, with the tail fan facing where I think the, the, the you know, the target is going to come from the, the bird that I'm after is going to come from, it's going to make that bird come in from dead behind it and then circle around and then come face to face where Yes, when he's face-to-face -face with your strutter, you don't really have necessarily a good shot. But as he comes around your decoy, you have great shots. And as he circles around, you you know, that's, that's my thinking on that. I'm curious what your thoughts are. My thoughts on that are you're exactly right, but why not take it a step further? You're, you, behaviorally, you're dead on. I, I talk about that all the time. A point point the tail fan of your strutter towards the direction you think the birds are going to come from. If you have no clue which way they're going to come from, point your strutter right straight. At, well, you can either point, depending on where you want to put the bird, you can either point the strutter straight at you or straight away from you. But that's, and the reason why I say that is because I now, if I know the direction the bird is going to come from, in many cases, I will put the bird actually at a 45-degree angle, understanding that that turkey oh, is going color. to— I want that bird to see the red, white, and blue head. I want him to see the body, big black ball of a body, and I want him to be able to see partial tail fan. Now he's got all three visual images of there's a turkey over there. But— most of the time, I will put my decoy, my full strut decoy, to where he is a 45-degree angle facing away from my blind because I know exactly what you said. 90% plus, 95% of the time, again, we've got turkeys that are lovers and fighters, but behaviorally it is to their advantage to come in and whoop up if they think that strutter decoy is an actual bird it's to their advantage to sneak in behind his his fan to where they can't see him and attack him without any of of that decoy's weapons his, his beak or his spurs anywhere near him. so they're going to sucker in i agree with you they're going to sucker in back behind that bird 
But if you put it at a 45, now you just predispose that that bird is going to swing closer to your blind. And more importantly, as he swings, and a lot of times they'll do it if you have a bird that is timid and he just wants to come in and strut and he's going to bluff and he's going to you know show off, they'll come in behind that, that decoy's tail fan, but they'll strut, but they'll approach that decoy's tail fan if you put it at a 45 angle pointing away from your blind, you sucker that bird not only behind in closer to your blind, but as he comes strutting in, he turns perfectly broadside. So if you're bow hunting, you get a perfect broadside, I mean literally perfect broadside shot at that bird. If you're shotgun hunting, it doesn't matter. You can shoot him anywhere you want. But I do. I take it one step further and I will position that decoy to purposefully sucker that time right where I want to take that shot and right where I need him to be perfectly for whatever method of take either I'm using or my clients are using, whether if it's a bow for broadhead or, you know, traditional fixed blade broadheads, mechanicals, Magnus bullhead, shotgun, doesn't matter. I can use that behavior and put those birds exactly where I want them every say almost every single time. And then again, just let them settle in, let them work the decoys, smoke them. I love it. We can talk about the whipping boy in another podcast. Um, We're going to give away all my secrets. (laughs) 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 Oh, so now all you got to do is just go kill a bird a bird and you get you win the dinner uh i think we said i, should, I think we said taco bell by the way um, oh see that's the thing man i you sent me that text you're like oh i want double meat on my burger i'm like burger burger i didn't know they put filet mignon on on buns <laughs> <laughs> you keep degrading i should just go out and shoot a jake just for spite yeah just, just shoot just... the smallest youngest juvenile <laughs> jake you can find and just be I'll, like that's all it took to win to I'll beat old scott out hen. of the beat yeah i shot a bearded hen to beat old scott <laughs> out of his own bet oh that's awesome dude i dude i do i i laugh because you're my friend, but I sympathize because, man, I have been there myself. I've been there with my friends. I've been there with clients. I mean, heck, last year, and people could see this on the YouTube channel, uh, Steve Fernandez, friend of mine, came out, and here's a perfect example of what you – he hit his bird just a touch. I mean, he hit it perfect body, body pocket. But he hit the basically the intestine pocket, and that bird stumbled off. And which, and a lot of times they will do. This is, uh, I guess, let me let me take a second here. I know we're running along, but um, if you do hit a bird in the body, watch that bird carefully. If that bird is struggling, I mean, physically struggling to move, get out of that blind or get up and run that thing down right now however if that bird gets up and just starts to limp and hobble limp and hobble and he's moving okay but you could tell he's in trouble sometimes i will literally if if there is a you know a lot of brush pile around or a lot of blowdowns around or dead wood or whatever sometimes i'll just sit and give it a minute and watch him because what Steve's bird did last year, 
he hit that bird and the bird was in trouble. You could tell the bird was like, oh, no. And he just kind of stumbled off. Well, that bird went straight to the nearest blowdown big treetop that he could find. And he burrowed himself in there to hide. Perfect. Watch him. Let him get in there and hide. Then go in, make a follow-up shot, kill your bird. But if if they are, if they're moving, if they're in trouble and, and they're struggling, just get out there and run them down right now. Just right now. And if they fly, for those people in the Midwest or East, you know, if the if the, you get leaves on the trees, man, they get up and fly, you you could be in trouble. If it's early enough where there's no leaves on the trees, sometimes the best bet is to watch them. Just, just watch them hard to figure out where they go and take a look and see if you can see them. Sometimes they'll actually land in the trees or they'll just fly into the trees and then they'll just just ba- they just bomb down and just kind of crash and burn. Most of the time, if they do that, they will go and hide somewhere near where they hit the ground. They're not going to go very far. But when I say they go and hide, brother, they hide and sometimes they can hide very very well. I lost a bird one year that literally burrowed himself under a round bale out in the middle of a wide open field. I shot this bird out in the middle of a wide open field, body shot at him, shot him. He ran off. I thought I was tracking him. I had never found him. Literally two weeks later, the landowner said, Hey, I found your bird. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I was right under, you know, he, he told me what bale it was under that bird had button hooked around and burrowed himself under the round bale out in the middle of the field. They will burrow themselves down into some of the nastiest little darkest little holes. So if you see where the bird crashes or you see where a bird disappears, let them se- just let them settle for a minute. Keep an eye on that spot. Give them some time and then slowly work your way in using binoculars and watch because I've literally followed up and killed a bird that I wounded. And this was wounded with a shotgun. I thought I, I mean, I smoked him with a shotgun. He hit the ground like a ton of bricks, flopped around all over the place, all of a sudden jumped up and took off running. He burrowed himself under a log, and literally I watched where he went, let him bed it down, let him hide, and then snuck my way over to it. And he, fought, you know, I just took my sweet time, and he peeked his head up over the log to see where I was, and that's why I saw him, and I smacked him in the head again with a shotgun. But So, yeah. If you can run them down, run them down. But if they look like they are highly mobile, man, sometimes the best thing to do is just let them feel like they are relaxed. Let them go where they're going to go. Let them hide and then sneak in on them and search them out and be ready because they can be burrowed in the tiniest little hole and you never know. I think that's a great tip. Um, Great tip. Uh, Chris, have you gotten a archery elk hunter for Arizona yet? I know the draw just came out. I know you've been talking to a few guys. Um, did you book? Not them? yet. You still? Uh, no, no, not available? yet. Yeah, no. Uh, one of the guys that I was talking to, he he decided on an, another group, which was which is fine. I mean, it was a better fit for him. So, no. If anybody drew a Arizona tag, especially you guys that are that drew an Arizona unit nine, geez, OP, give me a call if if you want help. If you want to go have a and you know. You know, you and I talked about this. There's some people that that all they care about is the inches. Um, I don't mind that as long as that hunter realizes that if you're going to chase inches, 
then it's a completely different hunt than if you're just wanting to go after a quality, fun hunt. Um, if we're out there chasing inches and you want the top 1% or like last year, the top 0.8% of the bulls in the unit, then you need to understand that we might be sitting water holes. We might be sitting and glassing for a full seven to 10 days and, and literally actively chasing a bull for the last four or whatever. Um, it's a different style hunt, but if, if you want to come out and just have a fun hunt, but you want somebody that knows what they're doing with behavior and calling and everything else. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to go with you. So give me a call. Awesome. And tell the listeners, uh, how they can find you. As always, just rowhuntingresources.com, R-O-E, huntingresources.com. For those that are listening about the turkeys, yes, we do have a turkey module. It's a smaller portion of the educational material on our website. It's good. It's it's really good information. Yeah, it's really good. Um, But if you're also an elk hunter, I'll just, just save the money and just get an annual subscription. Then you get all of them. And for those people that are subscribers that have looked at it, this is just an FYI. We are updating that site now. We've updated the look and the the functionality and the feel and the usability of the elk module. And Kelly's working on the turkey module and deer module as well. Uh, so it's definitely a lot better for mobile users. But yeah, we've made some serious upgrades to the website. So definitely check it out. But for the for the YouTube stuff, same thing. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of it's just row huntingresources.com we've got a pile of information there awesome buddy well get out there and get you a turkey so uh, so i know you'll <laughs> at least have one one uh i need uh, to get a meal free meal out of me. <laughs> yeah you're, you try <laughs> to get a f- free meal out of me somewhere or another uh you know it better be it better be before we get to mexico i want an actual quality meal See, I, I want to. I want it in like oh, no. civilization. We're, we're, we're stopping across the border and stopping at a, a a taco stand where we don't know whether it's Chihuahua meat or burro exactly. meat. Exactly, exactly. He'll take the skinny taco one to go. Yeah, exactly. One time we stopped there at a little taco stand on the side of the road. This is twenty some years ago, and Dar we were going coos deer hunting, and Dar got a little burrito or something and had a little salsa little packet thing there you know like in these little plastic containers with the little lids on them and he was trying to say is it hot in spanish and best we could get out of them is not nah, it's not that hot and yeah we were talking driving down the road i was driving and i look over there after about five minutes and he wasn't saying a whole lot and i look over and literally his freaking lips were purple and i go dude what happened he goes what and i go your lips are purple. He goes, they've been burning ever since I got that burrito. And he goes, I, I, I don't even know what to say. And literally, they were purple, like he had blistered his lips. And uh, you know, so you're in for a treat. Uh, the, the, the thing is, is, you know, that I get and I have some friends that, you know, very strong Hispanic heritage to where, dude, I am. I am the worst, like mild is is stretching it you know people people say oh it's it's medium i'm like crap yeah you know because oh so when you when you especially if you're talking about the you know whether you're talking about native mexicans or you're talking about hardcore you know spicy 
food. No. People. Not I mean, me. you, you ask for mild, and they're like, yeah, that's mild. Yeah, it's like nuclear, dude. Yeah. That may be mild to you, but geez, oh, Pete, if, if I smell it and it makes my forehead sweat, that's too hot. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to have a great time Gould's turkey hunting. Chris is going to come down with us and be down for the whole season. And um, we're going to have a great time. Looking forward to it. Uh, guys, if you're listening, we do still have a few openings here and there for 2017. Uh, the bookings for 2018 are going well. But if you want to go to Gould's turkey hunting um, and and go where Chris and I can both raz you at the same time, we're your guys. <laughs> And uh, we'll have a great time looking forward to it. And uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of podcasts. And uh, uh, we're going to both be videoing and and, uh, have a lot of good stuff to share. So, uh, Chris, thanks as always. Um, And I learned a lot on this episode. And I can't wait to um, uh, figure this out. And I think you really helped. So it's going to be awesome. And uh, as always, thanks for all your strong work with Row Hunting Resources. you know, with your YouTube channel and with, with, with row hunting resources, with the turkey module, the elk module, um, just awesome, awesome stuff for people that want to learn. And that's uh, it's just uh, good stuff, man. So take care, and I'll be seeing you here, well, about three weeks away. Yeah, dude, it's coming fast. I, you know, I, I appreciate that, all the kind words. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's it's going to be here before you know it. So, nope. Be safe, and uh, thanks again. And you know, by all means, if anybody has any questions, fire away. You know, fire at Scott or at Jay or you know at me or what. However you want to ask questions. I know, like I said at the beginning, you know, when you're dealing with a podcast and just listening, you know, when you're talking about anatomy and you're talking about position of birds, it can be difficult to really kind of visualize that. So if you got any questions, just fire away at either one of us, and we've got piles of video that we can point. You. I think it would be cool, too, on our Instagram pages if we bounce back and forth yeah. a couple of uh, turkey uh, still shots and just kind of you put where you think the you know the spots you were talking about on. I think that would be cool. And yeah. I just uh, another idea that came to me is if you guys have questions for Chris or I about anything, um, send them to our email, send them to our Instagram, our Facebook messaging. And we will try and answer a pile of questions while we're down in Mexico because we'll have quite a bit of downtime during the day and such um, uh, to get all your questions answered. So send them and we'll get them. We'll, we'll make a list of them and take them with us and uh, should be fun. So, yeah, Chris, God bless. We'll we'll talk to you later. OK. All right, brother. Well, the other thing I was just going to say real quick is and also and I mentioned you know, you get on Facebook, you'll see a lot of these memes come across where it's pictures of turkeys and red dots and oh, shoot a bird there. Seriously, folks, there's there's a lot of bad information floating around there. So if you see that come up, just share that to your page and then tag Jay or I and we can see it and ask him to say, hey, you know, chime in. Is this a good deal or not? And, and we can fire away and say no. Yes, maybe so. We can give you inf- information as well through that. So anyway, yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, cool. Look forward to seeing you.